Hello, I'm Jeffrey Mishlove, and today my topic is playing with magic. I have to tell you that when I was much, much younger and, frankly, a bit more foolish than I am now at the age of 71, I had a big interest in ritual magic. In fact, to be honest, in the environment that I was in, having moved to Berkeley in 1969, I, uh, magic was in the air. People were thinking about magic, talking about magic, and in, indeed, uh, while I was working on my doctoral degree in parapsychology at Berkeley, a young man named Isaac Bonowitz uh, did an interdisciplinary undergraduate degree in magic, and he actually wrote a book at the time called Real Magic. and. Uh, Interestingly, we had one of the same professors, and I, I knew Isaac uh, at the time. He was well known on the Berkeley campus, and there were many people at that time who considered themselves occultists, uh, and they were friends of mine. Uh, when I did my very first radio program on KPFA FM in Berkeley, it was about these people, the local occult community, uh, Isaac Bonowitz being w one of the central figures. But there was the new reformed Druids of North America. There were people who belonged to uh, the, what was called the OTO, the Ordo Templo Orientalis, which was an organization founded by Aleister Crowley. Why, Aleister Crowley's uh, auto hagiography, as he called it, was uh, pretty much essential reading. Uh, but now, as I look back on it, I think of Crowley as a tragic figure. He ended his life as a heroin addict in 1947, but uh, people reveled in his early writings. He seemed to have such potential as a poet, as a you know, literary figure, a friend of people like William Butler Yeats, the Nobel laureate poet who was also a member of the Order of the Golden Dawn in England, an order of people who studied uh, magical grimoires and, and who uh, created tarot cards and who uh, practiced various forms of ritual magic, uh, particularly a complex form that involved uh, deep study of the Hebrew Kabbalah. So uh, this was the milieu at the time, and, and one of the books that really caught my fancy back then was known as The Sacred Magic of Abrameline the Mage. And it was uh, a magical ritual in which you had to live in total isolation, in total solitude for six months. And after six months of solitude and prayer, you could invoke your holy guardian angel. And uh, with the help of your holy guardian angel, you could perform any kind of magic. And uh, I mean, you could raise armies, you could uh, have vast wealth, things of this sort. And uh, I understand that that book actually had quite an influence on Crowley himself. Well, it was in this milieu 
that uh, I began to engage in uh, perhaps thinking that I had potential as a magician. In fact, I guess I had a certain intuition for it, a certain knack for it. I began really to develop an intimate relationship with these people. and. At the same time, I was a graduate student, still in my criminology years. I wrote a grant for an organization called the Health Information Program on the Berkeley campus. It, it, the idea was, because drug use was a problem on the Berkeley campus, I thought that the best way to address drug use was to provide alternative ways to get high without using drugs. So this was the Health Information Program. It was funded by the chancellor. The chancellor provided a house for us. I moved into the house and uh, we had a what was called a tribal council. There were faculty sponsors and uh, a couple other people, a married couple, were, uh, who were not students on the Berkeley campus but were friends of one of the professors who had sponsored the project, were also invited to move into this house with me. And I was the director of the program. We sponsored classes in uh, organic cooking. We had uh, classes in yoga, meditation. We brought in uh, various parapsychologists to talk about their research. So we had an active program and we were reaching out to the student community. But I discovered that the married couple living with me were cheating. It was trivial, it was really petty, but I made a big issue of it because they were uh, using the uh, health information program telephone for their personal phone calls and they had run up a phone bill of $40 or so and they denied it. They claimed that they hadn't done, made these phone calls and I knew perfectly well that they had and I made an issue and the tribal council had to meet and decide and everybody could tell they were lying but the question was, is this the issue we wanted to have? And I was full of righteous indignation and what I did is, um, how some people working with ritual magic, which is very old, it goes back to all ancient cultures it's found today in pretty much every religion as well. They call it theurgy, higher forms of magic. But I decided I was going to invoke magical principles to address this injustice. And I had the tarot card for justice pinned up to the wall above my bed in the bedroom where I was sleeping. And next to it, I had my hunting knife strapped up, the knife of justice, the sword of justice. And see, the thing is, when you work with magic, as my friend Gary Zukoff, author of The Seed of the Soul, once explained to me, the result you're going to get is based on your own karma. Well, I was young and naive. I hadn't really any clue as to what my karma might be in this situation. And I should say something else because my parapsychological colleague and friend, Dean Radin, has just written a book about magic and parapsychology. And he points out that the fundamental principles behind magic are really the same principles that parapsychologists study extrasensory perception, psychokinesis, and also the Jungian principle of synchronicity. In any case, 
There I was engaged in this conflict with these dishonest people, invoking justice in a magical context, using the tarot card image of justice, which has the sword of justice and my own little hunting knife strapped in the <laughs> on the wall beneath, above or beneath, I forget which, the tarot card. That was a way of focusing my consciousness on, one might say, um, manipulating the gods of synchronicity to address this problem. And addressed it got because one night at like two in the morning, I was in bed and this couple burst into my bedroom and threw a knife at me and said, we are about to kill you. Pick up this knife and fight. Now, I didn't want to pick up the knife. I had no interest in violence. I've always been, thankfully, a nonviolent person. In fact, a conscientious objector. But what I did do is stand up. I got out of bed. I was stark naked. They also had prepared a pot of boiling water and they threw it on me. <laughs> and I suffered some minor scalding. But the intriguing thing was, at that moment, I felt possessed as if I were Jesus Christ, to be quite honest. I had no fear. I was calm. As I mentioned, I was naked. And I just walked towards them, and I must have really frightened them because they scattered as quickly as they could, and I went to the clinic to be treated for the scalding. They had a clinic in Berkeley open all night, and it was called the Free Clinic, and my friends, uh, some of my magical friends worked there, actually, or as volunteers. But uh, the next, and I called some of the faculty members uh, from the program who said, why are you always rubbing our noses in the truth? That was from the professor who had sponsored this couple. Anyway, the tribal council met. I was uh, still being treated and uh, they met without me and they decided the best way to address this situation is, is to get rid of all of the parties to the conflict. So I was asked to leave. The other couple was asked to leave. They actually, um, the lady involved, actually uh, was convicted of assault. Uh, the members, the faculty of the tribal council certainly wanted to protect the reputation of the university. And they asked me not to press charges, and I agreed not to. But when the DA saw uh, the report, because uh, a report had been filed, as, as I recall, my girlfriend filed the report at the time, uh, but the DA was aware that this particular couple had been engaged in other similar incidents. So the DA pressed charges, there was a trial, I testified, and there was a conviction. Uh, and I went on with my life. I went on to create a doctoral degree in parapsychology and, and move on. But the lesson for me at, from all of that was not to play with magic. It was a harrowing experience, really. It was one I didn't particularly want to repeat. I remember calling my father up and telling him this horrible uh, assault had occurred on me in the middle of the night. Uh, and. Uh, my dear father, who, uh, who of course I love, uh, said, well, what did you do to provoke it? 
I had to explain to him, I need your support right now. I don't need you asking me to. How I provoked it because I considered myself innocent. But in retrospect, no, I wasn't exactly innocent. I had invoked the sword of justice. And the sword of justice can cut in both directions. So it was my lesson about not playing with magic if you don't really, really know what you're doing. And frankly, do any of us really, really know what we're doing in that realm? I kind of think not. Uh, but as I mentioned earlier, there are higher forms of magic, theurgy. Uh, we've talked about anthroposophy and their concept of initiation into the higher realms of spiritual reality. That's really what uh, occurs in most religions. It's, I think, the idea behind the Catholic Mass, which one could call a magical ritual. So. It's probably one of the reasons why many religions believe that if you practice magic under the auspices of their religion, of their priesthood and their hierarchy, then it's okay, but it's not okay if you try and do it on your own. Well, I can tell you this, many of my old Berkeley occultist friends would disagree with that and would disagree with it heartily. And it's not as if I, uh, I don't have enormous love and, uh, for occultists. I do. I th I, in fact, for anybody engaged in intuition and psychic work, I really do. My heart is so open for people who do that work. But I have to say I'm not aware of uh, people who practice magic like that having any great successes. I'm aware of many small successes, and uh, I do think it's very important, as I've mentioned uh, many times, I think, in these segments, to maintain a healthy mental attitude and uh, to work on cultivating uh, your own mind and your own thoughts in, in the most positive way of all. I suppose even the use of affirmations, such as I love myself unconditionally, and I really love the way that I love myself unconditionally, that that's, you could say, a form of magic as well in the healthiest of ways. So I'll leave you with this thought. How has magic, if at all, how has magic played a role in your life? Thank you for being with me.